if we can use a reverse mortgage to get rid of your mortgage payment, that's all you really want. And if you can live in your house and not make a mortgage payment, that's called having your cake and eating it too. So why would you not do that? Because then whatever money is not put into your house, you can use for other things. And so you just made a decision to take $500,000 and put it all into one asset and you can't use it for anything else. If you put it into life insurance, for example, you could do a whole lot more with it. It would be liquid. It would maybe take care of your long-term care issues. It would leave money behind for your kids and your grandkids. It would do so much more than just having eliminating the payment. So there are better places to put your money. So people say, is it stupid to pay off my house? No, it's not stupid, but it's very inefficient. This is the Better Wealth Podcast with Caleb Williams. Hey everyone, welcome to the Better Wealth Podcast. Today's episode, I sit down with Harlan Akola, and this guy is incredible. He is talking about reverse mortgages, and he has so much passion towards something that at face value, you'd be like, okay, reverse mortgages, it doesn't seem that exciting, but I'm telling you, it's one of the secret ways to truly spend more in retirement, there's a lot of tax advantages and he not only defines it, he gives the pros, he also gives the cons and he and then he also explains how this can be a very complementary strategy to the and asset to life insurance and, and how it can really save someone in uh, quote unquote retirement. I was really blown away when I started talking with him because uh, I just love the passion that he brings and the knowledge that he brings. He also uh, is giving away his free book. And so make sure to stay tuned to the end, reach out to us, and we'll make sure that you get a copy of Home Equity and Reverse Mortgages. And, and, and again, I would encourage every single one of you who are either over the age of 60 that have a house or if you know of someone like your family or grandparents that are in that situation, do yourself a favor and listen to this because it's going to get you to start thinking about other solutions that could potentially be extremely beneficial. So without further ado, here's Harlan. Hey man, welcome so much to the show. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited about it, Caleb. So we spoke for about 10 minutes before, and I'm telling you, man, I am so excited to dive into this subject of reverse mortgages because I believe it's one of the most misunderstood financial solutions with life insurance and annuities, just like what we were talking about. But it is such a powerful strategy. And I'm, I'm just really blessed to have someone like you who's so energetic, so passionate about this field um, here to share with my audience the ins and outs, the pros and cons of the strategy. So thank you uh, for, for being on the show. Excited to be here. Thank you. So why don't you give your an, an origin story of like who you are, um, how you got into this industry. And then I, I really want to get into the nuts and bolts of what is a reverse mortgage and how would it would apply to someone in their life. Well, the best way to explain to your listeners is that I hated reverse mortgages. I told everybody that I knew not to get them. I've been in the mortgage business for over 20 years. And uh, as soon as I heard about them, I said, hey, that rips off the old people and screws their kids. Just stay away from them. And uh, I said that and repeated it a number of times, foolishly not knowing. And then I got an invitation about 16, 17 years ago uh, to go to a reverse mortgage seminar in Miami in January. I live in Wisconsin. You go to any seminar in Miami in January, you don't care what it's about. And that's the only reason I went. That is absolutely the only selfish reason I went. And I got there and I didn't realize it was going to change my life, it was going to change my family's life, it was going to change the lives of over a thousand clients that I've dealt with since then because I did not understand the power of something. I just looked at it and said, that's bad. 
and had no idea what it did, how it worked, any of the other scenarios. And I've learned a whole lot more from a lot of people that are smarter than myself. I've hung around a lot of people in the financial planning world that have MBAs and PhDs and all of these things out there that they've, they've got a lot more schooling and knowledge than I do with master's degree and law degrees. And I found out with the research that's been done that this is one of the most powerful tools, if not the savior of a retirement crisis that is brewing with too many of us baby boomers turning 62, 20, uh, actually 10,000 a day for the next 20 years. Uh, there's not enough money that we have to be able to get us through. So we're going to have to rely on your generation unless we figure out how to properly use our home equity. So there should be some real concern amongst people that are in their 20s and 30s to make sure that they understand this for their parents. So what I'm going to do, and you have 100% right to correct me on the spot, but let me give you my overview of what I, what I understand what a reverse mortgage is, and, and then we can go from there. So reverse mortgage is where a bank... Uh, or you know, mortgage company will um, stop if you're continuing. If you're paying mortgage payments, they will eliminate that. And if you have extra equity, they will give that to you in a form of a lump sum or a stream of payments. And then at your death, they keep the house. You were right up until the last comment. Okay, a hundred percent right. In fact, you know more than ninety percent of the people out there. So think about it this way: a forward mortgage is something that you take uh, over a period of 30 years or 15 years or whatever, you take a whole bunch of cash and you turn it into equity, fake equity, fake money that you don't really know what it's worth. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's really worthless. You can do nothing with equity. You can brag about it. You can talk about it. You can say, I got a $400,000 house that's paid off, but you really don't have anything. So you've taken all of this cash and you put it into an illiquid asset. A reverse mortgage then, as you just mentioned, is something that either eliminates the payment you have and uses that equity uh, to turn into cash and then use it as a stream of income. However, we keep track of it. And if you have a $800,000 house and we've only given you $300,000 by the time you die, we don't take the house. We simply get a loan paid back of $300,000 plus the interest. And the other $500,000 goes to you if you're still alive or your heirs. Hmm. So whatever's left over goes to you, just like a savings account. You have a savings account of $100,000 and you use 30 and you die, 70000 is still left. So uh, whatever's left, we don't take. We don't want the house. Banks are not in the business of owning houses. We're in the business of lending money and collecting interest. We're not in the business of owning houses. We hate owning houses. We don't want your house. We simply want that house to be sold to pay us off at the end or refinanced by the children if they want to keep the house, which is rare, but sometimes kids want to keep the house. Most of the time, they want to sell it and just get the money. So a reverse mortgage, just like you put money into an IRA, you put money into a life insurance product, you put money into a savings account. When you need it, you want to take it back out. That's all a reverse mortgage is. It's an account that you put a whole bunch of money into, hundreds of thousands of dollars by the time you get to be 62. And we just have a mechanism that allows you to take that equity and turn it back into cash. That's really all it is. It's that simple. And whatever you turn back into cash, then you do not have because we already gave it to you. Mm -hmm. And so that's where people get hung up on it and say, oh, I'm going to lose all my equity. Well, you're going to lose your cash if you take it out of your savings account. Right. But you didn't really lose it. You used it. We allow you to use some or all of your equity depending upon what you need it for. And what's interesting is my actually in my book, I in chapter three, I talk about a mortgage. And a lot of times we have this understanding that we don't want to pay any interest. So we'll pay cash for a house. But you and I both know that there's two sides of that story. You you could put money in in 
your house and not pay any interest, but all the lost interest and opportunity cost of not being able to use that capital, that can be super damaging. And, and what, this, what this allows you to do is it just allows you to spend that money. And then so for that example, $800,000 house, let's say you took half. Okay, so you have $400,000. Let's say that includes the interest. That's going to be another question I have. And then when that person passes away, then the kids can decide two things. They can pay if they want to keep the house, they have to come up with $400,000 to pay the bank. Or they could sell. And if they sell it at market value at $800,000, they would keep four hundred, dollars and the, and the bank would keep four hundred. dollars is that, is that understanding? Exactly correct. Okay. Yes. So as we give money, we give between 40% and 74% of the value of the house, depending upon how old our client is. So we give that money and then we accrue the interest. So you're paying for the interest essentially with equity. You're not paying with cash because you're not writing a check anymore. So you're giving up a portion of your equity for the interest because we're still charging interest. This is not free money. It's not grant money. It's not money from the government. So we're accruing the interest. And then at the end, you'll pay the back the amount that we gave you plus the interest but you won't pay it back your house will because you've already put enough money in your house. Correct. So the, the idea that people, there's all kinds of people that come up to me at cocktail parties or weddings or birthday parties or whatever and elbow me and say, I'm so glad I have my house paid off. It's free and clear. And we no longer have to deal with mortgage people. And I always say the same thing. I'm sorry to hear that <laughs> yeah. because I'm not being sarcastic or rude. I, I, I'm sorry to hear that you've taken $500,000 and put it into an illiquid asset that you can't enjoy going traveling with or giving it to your grandkids or doing anything else with. It's all stuck in your house and there's nothing you can do with it. Right. And so why did you put it all in your house when you could do other things with it? Because if you're allowed, and the reason people want a house free and clear is they want to get rid of a mortgage payment. If we can use a reverse mortgage to get rid of your mortgage payment, that's all you really want. And if you can live in your house and not make a mortgage payment, that's called having your cake and eating it too. So why would you not do that? Because then whatever money is not put into your house, you can use for other things. And so you just made a decision to take $500,000 and put it all into one asset and you can't use it for anything else. If you put it into life insurance, for example, you could do a whole lot more with it. It would be liquid. It would maybe take care of your long-term care issues. It would leave money behind for your kids and your grandkids. It would do so much more than just having eliminating the payment. So there are better places to put your money. So people say, is it stupid to pay off my house? No, it's not stupid, but it's very inefficient. There's better places to put it. Is it stupid to put your money into a CD? No, but it's not very efficient. It doesn't do much. So it's cheap. You don't have to pay any closing costs. You don't have to pay any fees, but all you did is get a 1% interest on your CD. So why did you put it there? Well, why do you put it in your house? You didn't gain anything other than eliminating a mortgage payment. We'll eliminate the mortgage payment for you in the same scenario if you do a reverse mortgage at 62. So for example, this also appeals to your younger audience as well. So when I was 45, I understood about reverse mortgages. I immediately refinanced from a 30, uh, my 15-year mortgage, which I was going to have paid off in seven years, went to a 30-year mortgage and invested my $1,500 a month savings into a life insurance contract, a number of life Mm. insurance contracts. Now here I am at 59, but I have more money in my life insurance contracts and my net worth is over $100,000 higher, even though I don't have my house paid off. And I don't care if I don't have my house paid off because if I die, my wife will have the money from the life insurance contract to make payments on the house or pay it off. And if I don't die, I have the cash in the policy. So the fact is, is if I redirect my money, I am better off financially. My kids are better off. My wife's better off. 
why would I dump all that money into having a paid off house so I can go to cocktail parties and brag about my house being paid off? And a hundred percent, there's a couple there's three things I want to say. Number one is ROR instead of rate of return, which is, which is another example of people bragging. They, you can't spend a rate of return, but people like this idea that the market's doing great or whatever, but it's what, what result do you want to live? And what we're saying, and it's and, and the second point that I'm going to make is you mentioned have your cake and eat it too. That was actually the second title I was thinking about for my book because when set up and used properly, that's the same. That's the same conversation I have about life insurance. By the way, it's not about is it dumb for you to do real estate or invest in the market or whatever. It's just where your money is going to reside and how you're going to do it. And then the third thing is you said this before we were recording, and I have this example as well is efficiency. You could drive to Dallas, which you're at right now or you could fly, they will both get you to Dallas. One's just going to be a whole lot faster. And more, and, and uh, Dr. Wade Fow, who has done research on life insurance annuities and reverse mortgages and wrote a book on all of the above, who has, is totally agnostic. He's a, he's a CFA uh, and uh, he, he's uh, a PhD. And so he's totally agnostic about his outcome. He just does research. And what he said that if somebody does a reverse mortgage at 62, instead of waiting until 82 or 92 when they're broke, um, or when they have nothing uh, and they need the money, whereas most people look at a reverse mortgage as a loan of last resort, in his research, he proved that the worst way to use a reverse mortgage is as not, not at all or as a loan of last resort. And if you do it early, he said, everything I'm after is efficiency of retirement income. And if you properly do it, you will not only spend more money during your lifetime, but you'll leave a larger legacy. And if, and, and, and the summary of his book, you can read all 150 pages, it's a great book, but the summary of his book is if you do a reverse mortgage early and use your home equity properly, number one, you'll have more cash flow, which is obvious, you're drawing from another bucket, but number two, you'll pay less in taxes. Nobody that I know likes to pay more money in taxes. And number three, you'll have a larger uh, net worth at the end and thus a larger legacy to pass on. You won't be able to brag about your house being paid off, but you will accomplish a whole lot more. So what it really comes down to, and a long time ago, I read a book um, uh, that is, uh, that's influenced my life, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of those is begin with the end in mind. Where do you want to end up with? Do you want a plaque on your casket that says, I died with $483,000 in home equity? Or do you want to leave the maximum amount to your kids and your grandkids? I, would, I don't care about the plaque on my casket, and I certainly hope my house is not paid off when I die. That would be a mistake. Couple questions. With the cash flow that you get from a reverse mortgage, how is that taxed? Fortunately, all of the money that comes out of a reverse mortgage is 100% tax-free, and it's not a special exclusion by the government. It operates like in David McKnight's information on the power of zero, it operates just like the tax-free bucket. It's never taxed at any time, not state, not federal, not estate tax, anything else, because all of the money that comes out is always tax-free because it's borrowed money. If you take a cash advance from a credit card or you borrow $30,000 to buy a car, that's not taxable. It isn't in a reverse mortgage either. So if you want to decrease your Medicare premiums or if you want to use it for Roth conversions or any of the other purposes, it's 100% tax-free to moderate out your other income. So it's foolish not to use it. If I pull $1,000 out of my reverse mortgage, that's the equivalent of pulling uh, $1,400 out of my IRA and having the same spending power. 
So it's foolish not to use it because unless you really care about giving more money to the government because you feel bad because they're in a deficit. So if that's the goal. Yeah, I don't think I don't think a ton of people listening to this podcast are just wanting to give the government handouts. But you know, I, I could be wrong. Uh, but no, I, I teed that up because that is one of the that's one of the things I am really drawn to in this strategy is just like uh, properly structured life insurance and used, it's considered a loan when you utilize when you get cash flow and and that's powerful because it is it's it's not it's not considered income which as when you look at politics and all the things that are going to be coming up like it's only a matter of time until taxes go up it may it who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of years but it's only a matter of time and and that's just extremely powerful and um so now let's talk about interest rates what kind of like what to look for like so let's say someone is sold on on this concept how old do you have to be to to have the conversation? What kind of interest rates and how can like can you share the secrets of how someone won't get taken advantage of? Because will you admit that there's some bad rap in the industry about seniors being taken advantage of in the in this space? In my book, which I'll make available to your listener, I wrote a chapter called Drug Sex and Reverse Mortgages. Drugs can be good or bad. They can kill you or they can like, save your life. Uh, sex, that's kind of self-explanatory. Um, and reverse mortgages are the same thing. They can be used incorrectly and they have been, and that gives us a bad name, but you don't throw out the whole uh, category because something bad happened. Right. The most important thing and where we lost most of the people is underage spouses. That's where uh, we, we foreclosed on widows when older husbands took their wives off title and then they died and their wives got kicked out of the house because they were not entitled. That was the decision of those two people, not us. That is a sad thing that happened. But because people were doing that, we don't allow people to do that anymore. If you're married to somebody that's underage, under the age of 62, uh, we don't allow you to do a mortgage without including them. Hmm. We'll give you less money so we can include your wife or your younger husband, whoever it is, on the title and on the mortgage to make sure that they have a place to live after you pass away. That's the number one biggest reason why people are upset because widows get kicked out of the house. You're going to hear that all the time. Google widows and reverse mortgages and Dave Ramsey will come up and tell you how awful it is now widows get kicked out of houses. Well, yeah, that's because they're not entitled. They didn't own the house. They weren't part of the transaction. The second thing is, is if you don't pay the taxes and the insurance on the house, you will get foreclosed on. Yeah. By the way, what will happen if you don't pay the taxes on your house if you don't have a mortgage? Yeah. The same thing. Yeah, that's yeah. For me, that's it's 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 a wash. Yeah, right. We we have to pay the taxes to be able to own a home in this country. That's just the rules and the real estate tax. And the county will foreclose on you if we don't. So it is very important to know. And we uh, we make sure now that we have underwriting guidelines. If you can't afford the taxes in your house, if you live in New Jersey and your taxes are twenty five thousand a year and your income is thirty thousand a year, you should move. You're not going to be able to afford the house in New Jersey. So Florida wants you to come. Yeah, Florida wants you. And they don't charge any state income tax. So the issue is, is that, sorry, New Jersey, but, but here's the deal. The fact clearly is if you pay your taxes and your insurance and you live in the house, that's the only requirements. You never have to make a payment. You only have to report that you live there once a year when we send out a form and you have to make sure that you pay the taxes. And if you do... But with by the order of the government, the Federal Housing Administration, we can never kick you out of the house, even if you live to be 150 in the uh, specific wording of the mortgage document that is signed. So that is the big problem. When people don't pay taxes, they're going to get foreclosed on. 
when they don't keep their insurance up, when they do not live in the house, we have to foreclose. And that is a really big issue. And then the other issue is, is kids get upset when the parents die and they don't even know their parents had a reverse mortgage because the interest has been accruing, by the way, at about a half percent higher than a regular mortgage because we pay mortgage insurance to the government. So if you can get a 4% mortgage, it's going to cost you four and a half on a reverse. And so that interest accrues and then dad dies at 94 and the kids come in thinking that they're going to get the house and dad's already taken all the money out of the house. And they get upset and they say, the bank took the house. They left nothing for us kids. No, the bank didn't take the house. We gave dad money for 30 years. So that's the, just like his savings account might be empty or his IRA might be empty or whatever the case may be. So we encourage parents, please talk to your kids about this. Let them know what's going to happen at the end. They're gonna, my kids know they're going to get a life insurance check. They're not, I hope I spend every dime of my uh, house money and that would be the most efficient. Yeah. And it goes back to, do you want money or do you want the house? Yeah. 99% of kids sell their parents' house. They don't move in. Which kid's going to move in? I got four kids. Which son is going to move in? Are all four of them going to move in with their wives and their kids and their dogs? I doubt it. That's tough enough, even at Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, Then what do I do with the other three kids? So it's just silly when people think they're going to pass their house to their kids. When I'm at the table and they say, well, we're going to get the house to the kids. I say, can we call your kids? Yeah. So often we'll just end up calling the the kids at the kitchen table and, and say, are you guys planning on moving in when you're 90, when mom and dad die at 90 and you're 60? Well, no, we have no interest in moving into mom and dad's house. And mom and dad sometimes say, well, just a minute, you know, the dog is buried in the backyard and you got your prom picture taken by the gazebo, but no, you're not going to move in. So the issue is, is that the most important thing to realize is when you're 90 and your kids are 60, they probably already have a house. And if they don't, there's probably other problems. So the issue is, is give them some money, give them a life insurance contract, give them something that is cash not the house because they're going to have to end up selling it anyhow. And what if you die in 2009? I mean, what's right. the, what is the house worth then? Uh, my life insurance policy is going to pay my kids exactly the same amount of money, whether I die in 2000, a year like 2009 or a year like 2019 right. when the market is up. But by the way, this is a great year to die if you're really into houses and markets because you're going to leave your kids a lot of money because 2019 houses are an all-time high and the market's going to be at an all-time high. But if you don't want to die this year, you're taking a big chance. Every year that you live, your uh, your legacy is going down. Uh, okay, wow, there's so many interesting pieces. So what happens, this is another one of my questions, what happens when you take out a max, as much money as you'll allow them, and they someone lives to 120? The house is worth a million, and the outstanding loan's worth 1.1. Right. So at the end, this is something that is called a non-recourse loan to be technical and legal. What that means is we can never collect anything more than what the house is worth. There's some commercial non-recourse loans. There are no no loans for anyone uh, in the um, uh, in the residential mortgage space that is a non-recourse loan except a reverse mortgage. And so reverse mortgage says you don't owe it, your kids don't owe it, your state doesn't owe it, the house owes it. This is a collateral-based loan. And if your house doesn't have enough money at the end, the bank will have to go to FHA. So if there's a $100,000 shortfall at the end, my house is worth a million, I owe $1.1 million, I won the game. I got all the money out of the house. And then the banks will, the house will be sold by the kids. They will potentially get a tax deduction, which is a whole other story. We could spend at least uh, another podcast on just the tax advantages of a reverse mortgage. But the kids will probably get a tax advantage, but they won't get any money because I spent all the money. 
and the $100,000 shortfall will be paid to the lender by the Federal Housing Administration because you paid an extra fee when you originally got the mortgage called mortgage insurance, which guarantees that if you live too long to 120 or 150, that the uh, difference will be paid to the, uh, to the lender. So we are covered, but only the house will pay it back. So if you live a short time and there's money left in the house, if it's good, the money goes to the kids. If you're upside down at the end, the bill goes to FHA, not to the children. That's amazing. What happens if you can't sell a house for a million and say it's worth a million? What, who decides how low you can go? Is it the bank? We do. The, uh, the FHA does the appraisal. The FHA okay. servicer does the appraisal, appraisal the, the, day, uh, the th- first month after you die. And says in today's market, the house is only worth eight hundred thousand. So, and that's, and that's you can, where you—that's what you guys go off of. Yes, and you can sell it for ninety-five percent of the new appraised value, even if it's much lower than what's owed. So, most of the houses sell within six months when they're ninety-five percent of the appraised value, uh, and that's something. And we give them a year to sell it. It's not like we show up at the funeral asking for a check. Uh, there's plenty. Right. Of what, what happens if? If a year goes by, do you guys just technically foreclose on it? Then we have to foreclose if the if the uh, the heirs have not been proactive in taking care of it, and they have not been working with a real estate agent and getting it out there. Then we have to foreclose after a year is up. We give them a year to take care of things, clean out the house, get it up for sales, so on and so and, forth. And this is again, if you have life insurance, this it gets a lot easier. You don't like I'm telling you, this is we didn't set this up. I I literally did not have you on the show to to have this be like a a pitch for the and asset, but it's just so cl- clear in my mind how this is a perfect fit. Well, anytime, I, I always tell people I'm the best life insurance salesperson you're ever going to run into who doesn't have a license. I've never sold one policy, but, but here's the deal. If, if I want something that is guaranteed, the most foolish thing to leave behind for my children is a house because I have no idea what it's going to be worth. Right. I, I mean, what, what if you're in a city that just had the biggest industry go out? or uh, you die in 2009 when there's a housing crash or whatever. I want something, uh, the house is to live in, and I want something that is, and, and the fact of the more money, and this is, I always tell financial advisors, this is profound, write this down. The more money you put into your house, the less money you can put anywhere else. Now that seems like, well, yeah, obviously. Well, that's the truth. If I put money into my house and I got 600 grand in my house, that means I cannot put 600 grand somewhere else. And I always ask people, what is the purpose of making a mortgage payment after you turn 62? Right. Why do you want to make a mortgage payment? And nobody has ever given me a good answer to that because there isn't one. It doesn't make sense to continue to pour money into equity when you don't have to. At your age, you have, my son just bought a house. He has to put money in his house. He has no choice. He's got to create equity, just like he's got to put money into his 401k or his life insurance policy or whatever. But when you turn 62, you've already put enough in. It's okay now. You don't have to put any more in. That is what people psychologically, this goes way back to the depression days, Psychological, psychologically people think that you should pay off your house. In the 70s and 80s, I went to mortgage burning parties with my parents. People were so glad to get rid of their mortgage that they burned the thing in the barbecue in the back, backyard. And so this is pretty well ingrained into people's heads that you pay off your house. Yeah, it's part of financial success. You can have a, a house that's paid. And, it's, it, and again, it doesn't, people aren't thinking through what they want. They're just thinking, they're just taking what someone on the radio or what they've been taught. And that's like success. So they really care more about what other people think than what they actually want. Uh, so there's want. a lot of people that make decisions based on emotion instead of facts, as you know. And the sad thing is, is that I've actually had people say, well, what will I tell other people if I have a mortgage on my house at 85? Who cares? 
if you're better off and your kids are better off, what does it matter? This is not a popularity contest. Let's talk about the tax advantages quickly. I know this could be an hour segment, but real quick, if, what are the tax benefits for doing this? Well, there's, there's several. The first one, obviously, is if I can moderate and pull money out of uh, a life insurance policy, pull money out of a Roth, pull money out of a house, none of those things are taxable, so I don't have to pay as much Medicare after 65. I'm not in a position where I have to worry about paying any taxes on that income, especially if I have a health care uh, problem. So when my parents use this, they pulled the money out of their house instead of out of their IRAs when they had to pay $8,000 a month in home care. And there was zero tax on the money coming out here, whereas it would have been a huge tax problem if they pulled that money, much money out of their IRA or any other taxable item. The second thing is, is a lot of people say, well, I want to get a reverse mortgage so I don't make payments. Well, that's true, but you have ability to make optional payments. So I actually have a, I've written a white paper on this with the help of a, a tax attorney. If I stack deductions, because now there's such a big standard deduction, I can stack deductions and make payments in my reverse mortgage every three years or every four years when there's sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars worth of deductions built up, and I can literally take care of a problem IRA because I put too much money in an IRA. A lot of baby boomers put way too much money into IRAs because they didn't understand life insurance, so they got this million dollars in their IRA, and we can help them uh, get that out with Roth conversions and with direct deductions with the interest on reverse mortgages, and that gets pretty complicated. But the fact is, is if you have it, it's going to be a situation where you're going to be able to do it. And we have seminars directly with accountants that teach them how to properly do this and how to teach their clients how to do it so that they can. We just did one for a guy that was moving from Dallas to Denver, uh, bought a house in Denver. He's going to save $200,000 in taxes during his first 15 years of retirement because he did a reverse mortgage and he had too much money in deferred, uh, deferred compensation that's going to be taxed. So there's, uh, and, and Roth conversions are a big deal right now because there's a bunch of people that did not listen to their life insurance agent back when they were in their 20s and 30s and they put all their money into IRAs and now they got this huge tax bill and that we can do Roth conversions and help them get some of that money over into Roth or into life insurance contracts instead yeah. of leaving it in their IRAs and we can pay the taxes for them out of their home equity because they also put too much money into their home equity completely changes their retirement for the next 20 or 30 years. Mm -hmm. And people don't even realize it's available and they think it's bad and evil and don't do it and not realizing that that's the actual thing that is going to increase their net worth and leave a, a something a, a better for their children in addition to having a better life today. So in other words, because it's not considered income, because it's considered a loan, which is good, it doesn't affect your AGI, which goes into all kinds of taxes, but then also... It doesn't, if you, let's just say you have $20,000 of cash flow, it wouldn't, it wouldn't count as $20,000 of income. So that's, that's important piece number one. And then important piece number two is um, you can use, you can use it as a strategy to get other money out and, in an advantage because you can use the deductions to get, get money from bucket, other buckets and get it over uh, in using the deductions. So I, I follow that and that's, that's awesome, man. That's absolutely critical to understand because the fact is, is that it's not how much money you make, it's how much you keep, obviously, and the taxation situation. If anybody thinks that this is a problem, please go to Walgreens and take a look at the diaper aisle. Now, this is going to sound really weird, but you know that next year there'll be more adult diapers sold than baby diapers? Oh, no. That's a, that's a big shift in demographics. And if you think the taxes are going to be lower in the future, 
think about what's going to happen to take care of all the baby boomers who didn't properly save. Yep. We're going to be asking the millennials to pay a higher rate of taxes. Anything else that that my listeners should know if they're thinking about reverse mortgages, obviously I want them, I, I want to put your contact info with your team and then anyone that wants your book. And I encourage everyone listening to this, if this is something that you're thinking about, reach out to like, reach out to me or reach out directly to, to, uh, to Harlan and like, we will get you a book. I want, I want list my listeners to, to be well-versed in different solutions. Yeah. The, the thing is, Caleb, is ignorance is scary. And you know what that's like in the insurance industry and the investment side of things. Ignorance is scary. And so that's why we uh, try so hard to get that information out there. You're welcome to buy the book on Amazon. It's 19 bucks on Amazon, or you can get it for free because you're a listener to Caleb's podcast. So uh, weigh that out as to which is the better deal. Uh, and, and we have uh, loan officers in 50 states. So we can uh, get that delivered to any client anywhere. But but here's the deal. And the most important thing that people need to realize is do not, I come from Wisconsin where there's a lot of mosquitoes and most everybody in Wisconsin has heard of something called Avon Skin So Soft. Avon Skin So Soft is a bath oil, but we use it for mosquito repellent. It's also great as a leather conditioner. It's also great to, for, to get fleas off from dogs. Why would I bring that up at the end of your podcast? Because that's what a reverse mortgage is like. Don't buy it for bath oil. Don't buy it because you're broke. There are so many other tools, uh, tax deductions, uh, making sure that you have a greater legacy for your kids and your grandkids. There's so many other uses for it. So what your clients need to do instead of saying, I don't need a reverse mortgage, I don't want a reverse mortgage, that's like saying, well, I don't want Avon Skin So Soft. No, I've never put bath oil on after a bath, but I use it rel religiously to keep mosquitoes off. So the issue is, is don't look at life insurance, don't look at any financial product as what it is, but what it does for you. And if a reverse mortgage can do something special for you, you should probably get one. And if we can't prove that it does something special for you, then don't. <laughs> yeah, it's powerful. It's extremely powerful. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that because after dealing with a thousand clients who thought they didn't need one, I'm pretty darn confident that we'll find a good reason. You know, it's so, it's so fun talking to someone who's passionate because, I, you know, you and I both have been in an industry where people are telling facts but saying it very monotone. And it just – People have to understand. I love that example is what result do you want? Get, get something and get the results that you want. Well, I end all my podcasts with a question that's not money related, but it's something that I love asking because it gets to the heart of who you are. And it's, if this is your last day on earth and you are with the people that you love the most, your family, your kids, and you had to share with them out of all the things that you've learned in life, what, what would that conversation be like? And what, what points would you make? sure that you covered in that conversation. Wow, that's powerful, Caleb. That would be very easy for me, actually. And it goes back to what I actually already mentioned. And that's begin with the end in mind. Quit going off on all the detours. If you want a relationship with God, if you want a relationship with your wife, with your family, with your kids, if you want to accomplish more in your business, then make a straight laser focus toward that. Begin with the end in mind. Don't be doing things that are not going to get you where you want to go. The vast majority of people that fail at what they want to accomplish is because they took detours because they saw shiny objects and they saw wrong things and they saw tempting things where they wanted to go off. And I've done that in my life and it's been a long detour sometimes and it's just dumb. It's not a good idea at all. So if you want to be married for 50 years, don't do stupid things today so that you can't uh, enjoy being with your wife 50 years from now. 
Uh, and that's what I would tell them is make sure that you are making every day count and begin with the end in mind. If that's where you want to end up, what do you got to do today to get there? Yeah, I love that answer. I, that book changed my life when I read it. I was 17 years old. And because of that book, I made a mission statement for myself, which hangs on my wall to this day. And it's help people see and reach their highest potential. And with that concept of being proactive and thinking with the end in mind, I live every day. I try to. I live every day with that mindset of what can I do to truly help people live to their highest potential. So I appreciate you articulating that. Um, I would encourage everyone that's listening to this that wants a book to go to betterwealthpodcast.com, reach out to us, and I will put you in touch with the person that can can deliver you a book that's going to change your perspective. And and man, I, I had very little expectation coming into this conversation, and I'm so grateful that we met. I'm grateful that you're on my show, and I'm grateful for people to listen to this and be enlightened to something that you know, quite frankly, I, I was in this industry for a while. I knew enough to be dangerous, but I didn't, I couldn't articulate it uh, passionately or, or as well as you. So thank you. Well, thank you, Caleb. What you're doing is way more important than what you realize. And I'm just jealous that I didn't know this stuff when I was your age. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Harlan. I learned a ton and I would really encourage you to think up through one or two people that need to hear this this episode because what we even said after the interview is how we are in a crisis in our country as it relates to Medicaid, as it relates to Medicare, as it relates to taxes. And if people know that this exists, it's just going to open up so many other options. And again, I'm super grateful for him. And I'm also grateful that he's giving all of you guys a free copy of his book. So make sure to reach out to me at betterwealthpodcast.com and we will put you in touch with the person that will deliver a book to you. And it comes with it comes with a free consultation if that's something that you're interested in and want to learn more about. Um, I am just unbiased, but I'm really grateful uh, for the knowledge. And, and for many of you, this will go in, this strategy goes into what it looks like for the future in, I don't like the word retirement, but what it looks like to not work and have cash flow and use your assets the most efficient way. So go out, have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. Make sure you press subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or your favorite podcast player.